Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back. We went on a, a 18 week pause. I don't even know the weeks. Uh, um, A one month summer break hiatus. There you go. That's what we could call it. But now, welcome back, listeners. I hope all is well. I hope all is blessed with you. I hope God has been treating you well this summer and opening doors in your life and revealing new things in your life and leading you into new seasons this summer. But nah, bro, welcome back. Hope all is well with y'all because all is well on this side. Glory be to God. And God is amazing, man. So I don't want to waste no time, so let's get right to it. Today's word will be taken from Acts 3, 1, verse 11. Acts 3, 1, verse 11. I'm reading from the NLT version. NLT version. Let's say a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your your love and your mercy, your grace that has brought us back to this moment once more. Lord God, as we read your word and gather an encouraging word from your word, may you speak through me, may you speak to me, and may you just flow from within me, Lord Jesus. Allow every heart that is able to receive, may they receive, and every ear that is open, hear this message, O Lord Jesus, including myself. Lord God, have your own way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get right to it. Acts 3. 1 verse 11. Man, I'm mad excited to come back. For those who are new to this, we've been doing this for a minute, but I just made it more public. That's why I said welcome back. But for those who are new to my whole podcast thing that God has led me to, hola, como esta? Welcome. But um, Acts 3, 1 verse 11. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter and John. As you know, as most of you know, I'm coming back from Jamaica. Vacation was amazing, you know. God is amazing. Um, coming back from Jamaica and they were like, Corona who? Because, you know, mask out there, you barely even saw that because, you know, they have everything under control, thank God. But I got to say, it, it, it was a brilliant vacation. And looking back at it, 
it was a massive move of God. But in the moment, while God was moving, it's like I couldn't hear him. I couldn't see him. I couldn't feel him. I knew he was moving, but I couldn't hear him or feel him or, or see him. It was so hard. And in the midst of why I couldn't hear him or feel him or see him, it's like that's when I was attacked the most by the enemy. That's when I was attacked the most by the enemy. And similar to this blind man, he's in a position where he feels like God and even people doesn't hear him, see him, or feel him because of his condition, because of what he's going through. So he, as much as we, are in the sermon titles, the sermon title for today, A Silent Season. Silent Seasons. Silent Season. And in this silent season, you tend to feel shameful, isolated, left behind, empty, neglected, and trampled on. You see, the Holy Spirit led me to there that spells silent. And I was like this blind man. And we, at least most of you guys, I'm assuming, during these times, are or was previously in a silent season. But today, some of us are about to be set free from our silent seasons. Yes, Lord. Just to give you some context of what's going on in Acts 3, Peter and John, who were the disciples of the Lord, and for anybody who is new and is not familiar with the term disciples, disciples are followers of Jesus. Yes, we are all followers of Jesus, but in, when Jesus was alive here on earth doing his ministry, he picked 12 disciples to carry, to be with him throughout his ministry to plant the seed of expanding the ministry when he is gone. Pick 12. And Peter and John were two of them. Peter was a fierce one, an arrogant one. My man will cut off people's ears right in front of Jesus. John was the beloved one. The Bible says that, or John calls himself the most loved disciple in his book. You know, that's what the Bible says, you know. So John is the beloved one. Peter is the arrogant, fierce one. So you have two different completely men, and now they're strolling together, and they've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a representative of Jesus Christ here on earth. That is why and how we have power, and that is how and why when Christ sees us, when God the Father sees us, he no longer sees our sin, but sees his Son's Spirit living within us through the blood that he shed on the cross when he died for us. So now we live by spirit and not by flesh, meaning in the flesh you feel anxious, but our anxieties are no longer the sin of our lives, but the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit that is living within us is now ruler over our lives. And when Jesus died and resurrected, his spirit came within us so now we have that power and that's the holy spirit and the holy spirit as jesus promised because jesus will never fail to fulfill his promises came upon the disciples the bible calls it the day of pentecost where the holy spirit 
came upon the disciples and the disciples were filled with the with the power of the holy spirit and we are filled with the power of the holy spirit and jesus has just ascended in acts 1 i believe jesus just ascended to heaven and now here in acts 3 we have this lame man from birth lame means to be to not have the ability to walk. So this man is lame from birth, meaning he can't hope. He can't, he can't, he can't, he can't, he can't hope. He has no hope. He, he, he's hopeless in terms of having the ability of being able to walk. And during these societal times, when you have such a condition, you are seen as unrighteous. Unrighteous means unclean. So you won't, you weren't able to do things that other people were able to do who claimed themselves as clean or righteous based on their outward appearance. You had little to no hope, and you couldn't move. But every day, he chose to go to the temple. Every day, he chose to be carried to the temple of the living God. And we'll view the significance of this later. And in the reality of the situation, when he he first started going to the temple because of his condition, he probably sought the temple first to seek healing. But he never experienced that encounter, so he stopped seeking healing and started to seek something else, which is money. Because there becomes a time in a silent season where the peace you are expecting or searching to experience, you don't encounter or you don't feel it. So you stop seeking for peace and you start seeking to the very thing closer to you or that you have easier access to. To satisfy you in a way that the first thing that you were seeking for could only satisfy you. But the thing that you now access so easily could only temporarily satisfy you. So what happens in a silent season. In a silent season. You give up searching for the things that you know you need. And this man couldn't go into the temple because as I mentioned before, righteousness said during these times, the religious people, if you're clean and there's nothing wrong with you on the outside. Religious people says if you're clean, then there's nothing wrong with you on the inside. But relationship with Christ says the inside is what's is what matters. Excuse me, religious people said if you're clean, then there's nothing wrong with you on the outside. Relationship says, yeah, your outside might be messed up, but Jesus Christ cares about your inside. There you go. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for correcting me in the moment. But this man couldn't go into the temple because of his condition, and he was an outcast. He was an outcast according to society. He was an outcast, but look where he was placed. The Bible says he was placed to the temple gate, next to the temple gate called Beautiful. Next to the Beautiful gate. So you have a wretched man, an unclean man next to a beautiful gate. A beautiful gate next to an outcasted man. A beautiful gate next to a broken man. Beautiful gate next to a broken man. 
beautiful Jesus next to a wretched sinner. I'm telling you, the gospel is in every scripture that you read. Because you see, we're broken. We're unclean. Our hearts are impure. But Jesus still chose to give us access so we could be right next to him at any time. Step into that awareness at any time. And truth of the situation, he is right next to you at all times. No matter how broken you are on the inside. No matter how you look on the outside. He is with you and he's waiting for you to let him in so you can be transformed. But we're not there yet. So this man, this lame man, this wretched man is next to a beautiful gate. He's next to and near to the same place he wants to be, but doesn't feel it because the beauty of the gate doesn't seem to be shining on him because of how people are treating him. And how people are treating him, he thinks that's how God cares for him. How people view him, he thinks that's how God views him. And a lot of times we don't feel the peace of Jesus right next to us because the way everything is going on in your life, you don't seem worthy of it. So he doesn't recognize the beauty next to him because of the burden on him. So look what he does. He begs the people, he seeks stability from the ones he thinks hold the key to life because they can do what? Walk into the temple unlike he can. Because they have access to the very thing he wants to be able to go into. Because he, they have access to what he doesn't. Because he has forgotten who he is and whose he is. He begs for money because if he can't get his legs or validation to do the normal, he can probably get the next thing to bring him some closure. Money. You see, he seeks fulfillment in people's pockets and not God's promises because the money is so easily accessible. And a lot of times we have to wait on God's move, but we'd rather be quick to go to the quick thing than wait on the thing that we're supposed to be waiting on. We see the difference between people's pockets and God's promises that he probably didn't realize at the time is that God's promises are like a river of flowing water. So you can't always depend on people's pockets, but you can always depend on God's promises, knowing that he will come through not on your time, but his time. This man was next to a beautiful gate, and God is saying right now, you are beside a beautiful gate. And when everyone is ignoring you, I still see you. When it seems like you're in a silent season, I still see you. Bible says he doesn't take his eye off the righteous, and he hears their prayer. His faithfulness endures through every generation. He still sees you. But he's saying, you don't see me because your dependency is off. Your dependency is off. Because this man wanted money from people, and money from people seems consistent and quick, but you got to wait on me. 
But I'm here to remind you, I'm not a quick God. But those who wait upon the Lord, the Bible says, he will renew their strength. Wait. Wait. Do we have the ability to wait in a silent season? But it's hard to wait on the Lord when he really lives up to your expectations. Because the Lord doesn't live up to your expectations. He exceeds them. But he doesn't exceed them when you want him to. He exceeds them when he knows it's right time to. Because you see, if he exceeds them on your timing, then you only think that it's you who did it. But when he exceeds it on his timing, the time when you have no control of the situation, the time when there's no more hope in the situation, the time where you're ready to give up, you know that there's only one man who could have exceeded my expectations in this season of my life. Lord doesn't live up to expectations, but exceeds him, and we'll see that soon. But the lame beggar has the wrong context of his location. Because he's seeking the wrong thing in the right place, but doesn't know he's in the right place because he's blinded to where he is. Spoiler alert, you're in the right place. I don't know who needed to hear that, but you're in the right place. And a lot of times we think we're in the wrong place because of the reception received from people. But I'm here to remind you that you're in the wrong place, not on based on people's perceptions, but based on God's promises. You're in the right place. It doesn't seem like it right now, but you're in the right place. And it either doesn't seem like it because your dependency is off, or it's because you're doing this we're about to get into. Because of this. Because every day this lame beggar did the same thing. Because in a silent season, despair is routine. Despair is routine. The same thing, different day. A lot of people say the Bible can't relate to today. Or really, think about Corona. Y'all been doing the same thing a different day for the past five months. Same thing, different day. Routine. Routine. And in this man's lame state, a person had to carry him to the temple on a daily basis. A person had to carry him to the place he desired to go on a daily basis so he could be fulfilled. Quote, unquote, fulfilled. So God supplied a carrier in his lame state. And right now, some of our peace and joy is in a lame state. And God is saying, I am your carrier. I am your carrier. No matter what you think, I am your carrier. Every day I'm carrying you to your place of joy. Every day I'm carrying you to your place of peace. Every day I'm supplying you with all you need so you could get through this day. So stop focusing on about tomorrow and start focusing on today. For I am the God 
of tomorrow, that means you are not a God of tomorrow because, first of all, you're not God. So start focusing on things of today and stop focusing on the battles of tomorrow. For today has enough worries, Jesus says, for itself. Today has enough worry for itself. God supplied a carrier in this man's lame state. Right now, some of our peace and joy is in a lame state, and God is saying, I am your carrier. You see, this man is in a silent season where it's the same routine every day. And God seems to not even be a part of it to the point where the inconsistent blessing he receives, he doubts it even coming from God. This was me in Jamaica. Got up, worshiped, and felt no God. And it's like, it's like it became stale. Like, God, where are you? Routine became stale. Routine became stale. So people's rejection over this man opened up a door for a doubt of God's reverence because we think people's attention is God's approval. So every day, people would walk past this lame man so he felt like God didn't approve of him. Who would walk past him? The people what? The people going into the temple. The people going into the temple, the Bible says. The people going into the temple. And I repeat it over and over again because the people going into the temple are the church people, the religious people, because you see, you can step into the temple and forget that you as well as everyone else is the temple because the spirit of the Lord dwells within. And we are the temple of the living God, which means we, our hearts together as a body of Christ is the church. Not a building, somewhere you go every Sunday. It's something you live every day of the week. As the Spirit of the Lord making a temple within you. And in a silent season where God seems like he's not there, you will not only feel routine, but rejection because of your condition. So the same thing with no result. Because people see you and walk over you. Come on, we can relate to it today. Routine and rejection. I know everyone since quarantine has been rejected at least once when they try to dap up somebody. I'm just spitting facts. Everyone, because of their what? Condition has been rejected from entering somewhere. This lame man, because of his condition was rejected from entering the temple. But you got to be careful because you would think that people's rejection is a sign of God's displeasure of you. And there had to come a point in my life where I realized that people could say this and that about me, but my God says, you are my precious prize. You are the apple of my eye. You are the ones who carry my message. And the Bible says that those who carries his message, how beautiful their feet. 
You are the reason why I came down to earth and died for you. You are, you are, and what I am, you are. So you are peace. You are joy. You just have to see me within you to realize what you are through me. Yes, God. God is pleased with you. Why? Because God is bigger than your condition. Because when God sees you, he doesn't see the condition of your sickness. He sees the condition of your Savior, which is his blood shed on the cross for you so that you can live again. He sees the condition of your Savior who has risen. His spirit rests within your heart. So now he doesn't see a sinner, but he sees grace. He sees love. He sees righteousness through what? Not by you because you are broken, but through his son living in you. And this man would call out to people who passed by him because they saw sick. They saw sick. But Peter and John stopped because they didn't see a sick, but they saw saved. And once we stop seeing people by the condition and start seeing them by a Christ, then maybe the season of silence wouldn't be so silent anymore. The Bible says he went next to this gate every day. Being next to this gate brought him a certain type of closure that maybe if I can't get healing, maybe I could get fulfillment somewhere else. It's the same way how we go to the news every day. We go to Instagram every day. Maybe because God is taking too long, maybe I could just go get a quick fix on Instagram or a quick fix from Anderson Cooper, and he will fulfill me for the day temporarily. It's what we do, man. It's what I do. It's just the truth of the situation. And you can just imagine him. You can just imagine this lame beggar man who cannot walk. He probably sought healing in the beginning but never found it. So now he goes to something else. Because when we search for one thing and receive silence, we go to another that seems like it's filling you. But it's actually making you more hungry. Because I learned in Jamaica that you could be filled with the presence of the Lord and not know it. And when you seek things of the world, you feel more hungry. You can be filled with the presence of the Lord and not know it because you're, what you're seeking is off. What you're seeking is off. So first is what you're dependent is off and what you're seeking is off. That's why when David, there's a story in the Bible when David was filled with the holy presence, bread of the Lord, when he went to the temple to get a quick fix, filling up. Understand when he went to the temple to get a quick fix filling up bread and the priest gave him holy presence of the Lord bread. But he didn't even realize he was filled because his focus, what he was seeking was off. He was seeking to run and he wasn't seeking to be in reverence to God. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added on to you. What? Peace, joy, life happiness. It might not come at the time you want it or how you want it, but it will be added on to you. Wow.
So you seek the the world to fill your to fill you when you're already filled. But you do this because you're in a silent season. You don't even know whether you're filled or not. And this is a result of running. Versus routine and rejection. Now running. Because this man is so close to where he wants to be, yet is so far because he is seeking fulfillment from a place other than Christ. Now I was in this position. I was in this position. Where I'm so close to the peace I wanted, but I don't even realize it because what I was seeking was all. I was seeking a feeling. And God was trying to show me, listen, if you start living by feelings and you miss out my purpose for you, which is to live by faith, which is to walk by faith and not by feelings. Because feelings always opens up your physical eyes to walk by sight. And the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it's sight. Because if we believe the things that we see, then we will never believe in the things that we cannot see, which is Jesus Christ. Or if we see the things that we see, then we'll never have hope for something greater. Because everything that we see here on earth, or everything we see in our situations is constantly telling us and constantly feeding our feelings of anxiety that it's not going to get better. But when you look to the one who you can't see right now, but when you look to the word of God, but when you look to Jesus Christ, you can know that you are victorious no matter what. But it's a test in the silent season. Do you walk by feelings? Or I don't feel him right now. I don't feel him right now, so I ain't going to pray. I don't feel him right now, so I ain't going to, you know, I ain't going to do what I got to do. I ain't gonna. Uh, I don't feel him right now, so I ain't gonna worship. I ain't feeling right now, so I ain't gonna read the word. This is me. This is literally me. Oh, I don't feel him right now. I don't feel him right now, so you know, he could wait. Or do you walk by faith, saying I don't feel him right now, but I know that I am in his presence. I don't feel him right now, but I know that I walk by faith and not by feelings. I don't feel him right now, but I know that faith is the evidence of things not seen. I don't feel him right now, but I know I got to persist past this because anything that is of feelings can never be relied on. I don't feel him right now, but I know that the Bible says that I am the temple of the Lord and he dwells in my midst. And this beggar man... This beggar man, he feels unseen. And God is saying right now, I'm king in heaven, so I see you. You're worth something. So stop running to things that only fill you temporarily and start running to me. Come back to me. Run to me for the peace I give you, the peace of mind and heart. You know how much people nowadays, including myself, are out here searching for a peace of mind and heart. And God is saying, just look within you. Just look within you. The peace that you're so longing and searching for, it's in the palm of your hands and you don't even know it.
Yo, imagine if this man could beg God the way he begged people. Imagine if we seek God the way we think that seek the things of this world. But you see, it's hard to seek a God when it seems like he has left you in the dust. God is saying, I'm right next to you. And you're saying, I ain't feeling you. And God is saying, you're not seeking correctly. You're not seeking correctly. And this man right now, this beggar man, feels like money can make up for the emptiness that he feels. The man just wants a little money because, you know, he feels empty. Remember, shameful, isolated, left behind, empty, neglected, and trampled on. Because oftentimes the thing that can't fill us seems easier to access than the man who only can fill us. He forgets about the man within him and starts seeking the man around him. I'm here to remind you that the man around isn't as powerful as the man within because the man within don't got to meet you in a temple because you are his temple. And this lame beggar couldn't enter the temple because he was a sick. This man couldn't enter the temple because he was a sick. Because the sick was not accepted. This is how many thousands of years ago and a thousand years later, the sick are not accepted in 2020. But God is saying the more sick you are on the inside or the more sick you feel like you are on the inside is the more I want you. People reject you, but I accept you. But this man, similar to us, is so blind because he failed to realize he is right where he needs to be, but the silence is drawing him down. I was right where I needed to be in Jamaica, man. But the silence kept drawing me down. So what do I do? What do you do in response to the silence? Verse 3 reveals something inspiring because... It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. What do you do in the silent season? You persist. You persist. Because you see, one thing with this man, all he was doing was his routine. But when God sees us going south, he allows the very routine we constantly do to bring forth a revelation we never knew. And what if a lot of us are doing the same thing over and over and have given up in our silent seasons and God is saying, all right, keep doing what you're doing because even when your routine becomes usual, my revelation still shows up unusual. What do you mean, Josh? What do you mean? I said every day, I'll get up and I'll I'll worship and I'll pray and I'll do what I got to do, but it was so, like, usual. It was usual. 
until I was leaving Jamaica, and I, I don't know if you guys know Mike Todd, but um, he was a porn addict just like I was, and he dropped a sermon on that, on how he struggled, and I never really e- encountered with something, someone on a higher spiritual level, mature, more, what's the word? More, 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 more recognized person who would ever come out with that. So I thought I was in this alone. But when he dropped that, and I usually do watch sermons online with pastors, you know. But when he dropped that, that was something new. That was something new because it brought tears to my eyes to know that God, I'm sorry, and I'm not the only one who suffered through this thing. But by Your grace. And by the strength of your Holy Spirit and by your promises, I have overcome. But what I'm trying to show you is that I was doing my routine, but something new in the routine. I was doing my routine, but saw something new in my routine. So I was in a routine, but took a different route in the routine. And what if a lot of us What if a lot of us just need to find something new in the routine? Do something new in the routine. Think about it. That man went to the temple on a daily basis. The lame man was told by Peter and John, look at us. And for some of you that are doing something unusual in the season that you never did before, get ready for a breakthrough because Peter and John said, look at us. The lame, the lame beggar man never looked at people because he thought he knew the face they would make. Because when you've been in one place for so long, you expect the expected. So the man wasn't looking out for healing, but for money. And he never received attention like he is now. So what does this mean? He had to look at the very thing he had feared to be, to be lifted up. He had to look at the very thing he feared for such a long time to be lifted up. Relate back to me in the sermon with Mike Clyde and Horn. I had to look at the very thing I feared for such a long time to be lifted up. He was comfortable not walking. He was comfortable only receiving money. You were, only, you were comfortable going through a day of not feeling joy. You were comfortable with just getting by. And this was me in a silent season with no hope because you're comfortable with a temporary satisfaction. Oh, I just got to get through this day and I'll be all right. So someone talking to him, someone saying, look at us, someone giving him attention is what? Unusual and rare. But oftentimes when the unusual occurs in your life, it's a sign of God moving or about to move in your life. Look at us, Peter said. Look at us, Peter says. Something unusual. God is about to move. Everything is shutting down. Something unusual, but God is about to move. The man is now getting the attention he desires, which is the ability to be seen, but he's so broken that he only focuses on money because that's all he thinks people can offer him. He's so broken that he's not even have the thought, oh, maybe this could be the one 
Fuka heal me. Maybe he's thinking maybe he's the one who could give me extra change. Because that's what he's used to getting. And the money is what he asks for because that's what he wants. The Bible says he looked at them eagerly expecting money. But the spirit-filled men, we, us, whoever listening to this, the ones led by the spirit of the living God, go past what you want and offer you what you need. But you see, we are so used to getting what we expect to get, as this lame beggar man was. And what we expect to get limits us to what we believe we could get. But I know a God who grants us peace, not based on what we're used to getting, but who we have been given. And we have been given his son, Jesus Christ, to know that his peace that passes all understanding shall guard our hearts and our mind. We have been given his son, Jesus Christ, to know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We have been given our son, Jesus Christ, to know that money can't satisfy us. Things of this world can't satisfy us, but only his love, his grace. When we encounter it, the joy that we feel is so such of a high magnitude that you can't even explain. Maybe if we, maybe if myself included, could just get used to this Jesus. Maybe the things we beg for and the things we seek or the reason we do those, you realize that the satisfaction you're seeking could be more fulfilled in Jesus than it is in the world. Because he is living water. He is what water? Living water. He is living water. The adjective living changes the whole narrative because that shows that there's other types of water. But what type of water are you drinking? Living water or little water? Let's look even deeper into verse 3. We're almost done. We have 18 minutes left. The Bible says, he looked at them eagerly expecting money after Peter and John said, look at us. So what does this mean? He put his head back down after because he fears the, he, he put his head back, either means he put his head back down after he gave them a quick glimpse and begged or his head was down the whole time. So he has his head down because he fears the face of disgust on people who will overlook him. And he gives people all that he thinks that he is, a hand, so they could give. Come on, we could relate. We give people the gram so they could give the likes, but we don't want to give them all that we are. But Jesus says through Peter and John, look at us. Because Jesus doesn't only want what you give to people. Jesus wants all of you, all of your brokenness, all of your wretchedness, so he could transfuse it with his righteousness. So what was once unclean is now made clean. But we're not there. This is what we do. We put ourselves down in fear 
of people's response. And we don't keep our head up in God's rest. And I'm sure this man heard the messages of God from the outside of the temple. Remember where he was placed on the outside of the temple. But when we're on the outside of a place we think has no hope for us, it's hard to focus on what's inside. When we're on the outside of a place we think has no hope for us, it's hard to focus on what's on the inside. And this was me when I went to Jamaica. I could barely focus on my vacation because I was so focused on outside America. Best believe Jamaica and America are two different places. See, because it's hard to focus on a family when you're not even involved in one. It's hard to focus on a family when you're seen as a non-important factor in one. And when you feel like we're on the outside of the presence of God, it's hard to focus on what's inside because everyone and everything is telling you you're not worthy of what's on the inside. Well, God is saying, I'm on the inside. I'm on the inside, and I died and rose again for you so I, so you could know that I'm on the inside of you. I'm on the inside of your being. The Bible says that our bodies is the temple of the living God, and his spirit dwells in our midst. The Bible says that when he died, the temple was torn in two. In the highest of highest room of the temple in the Old Testament, in the religious days, in the ancient days, the presence of the Lord was in the back room and only priests could have access to it. But when Jesus died on the cross, the temple torn in two to show what? Now, no matter how broken you are, you have access to the presence of the Lord. And he's saying, listen, religion is about requirement. Religion is going to say you have to clean up and you can't be like this in order to come into my presence. But relationship is about refreshment. I want you to come into my presence unclean because once you step into my presence and allow me to make a home within your heart, the unclean that was placed on you now becomes clean. So I no longer see a sinner, but I see one without blame. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross when he died for you. Because the one who knew no sin became sin to be an offering for sin so that we could be connected back to God and have salvation, which means to be saved and live in peace here on earth. End of the sermon came early. Bible says that Peter looked at looked at this man intently, meaning he looked at him with purpose. But this man is in such pain, agony, thinking that Peter was looking at him in pity, but no, he was looking at him with purpose. And God wants me to remind you right now that I'm not looking at you in pity, but I'm looking at you with purpose. I'm looking at you with purpose. And once you could give up your pity, once you could give up your old life and start coming into the new life that I designed for you, you would realize my purpose that I have for you. And once you realize the purpose that I have for you, the problems of life can affect you as much as my peace is rained upon you. And Peter and John says, silver and gold I do not have, but Jesus Christ of Nazarene. Nazarene is what you call a person who comes from um, Nazareth, which is a which is a, a the the town which Jesus grew up in. 
So Jesus was a Nazarene. So Peter and John said, silver and gold I do not have, but Jesus Christ I do have. And the importance of this is this. A lot of times we're forced to give people the very thing that we don't have. And we're forced to do this and we get this thing to fill people with the very thing we don't have by taking it from another source that we know can't fulfill them completely. But God is saying, I have supplied you with all you need according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus so that you will be able to help one another, share with one another my peace, my love, and my grace. Share the power of God. You see, because the man expected money and received a miracle because Ephesians 3 verse 20 says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask for through the power that worketh within us. Now this man feels trampled. He only expects money. Bible says they looked at him He looked at them eagerly expecting money. And it goes to show that our focus could be in a whole other area. But God's desire of heart to prosper us isn't dependent on our focus, but on his faithfulness, which endures to every generation. And God is saying, some of you are looking for one thing, but I'm ready to pour out a window of blessing on your life. The man asked them for money without knowing they were a move of God because you can encounter a move of God in a silent season and not even know, but the simple fact that he acts, whether he knew or not, God was still going to move because only times we ain't going to know that we reached for a move of God until we see the result of the move of God. Silent season, you don't know it's God till after. But look at it. He had to look at them in order to be healed. And God right now is saying, shift at what you look at, because what the man looked at next was determined where he lived at next. So looking at somebody, what does this mean? Coming out of your comfort zone, because it's in our comfort zone where we stay stuck. And we're wondering, God, why aren't you moving? And God is saying, I'm not, you don't see me moving because you're not moving because you're too comfortable. Too comfortable. Peter and John said, listen, man, I ain't got no bread, but I got Jesus Christ, the bread of life, period. And listen, what Peter and John have, you have. You have. No matter where your your background, your denomination, your past, you have, but you have to be awakened to it. Excuse me. As we close out, as we close out, verse 7 says, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. You see, the problem with a lot of us is that we want to heal but not help. And God is saying you have to help in order to heal. You can't expect to heal someone while not helping them. Because healing is a process, but it starts with help. 
That's why the Bible says, as he did, as he what? As he helped him up, his ankles were immediate, were strengthened and instantly healed. And you know what's funny? The man wasn't lame. The people who walked past him weren't. Because the man wasn't lame, but loved. What am I trying to say here? You're not what you think you are. You're not lame, but you're loved. You're loved because God called us to share in his glory through means of Christ Jesus Christ. You're loved because of Christ Jesus' death and resurrection for you. That's why you're loved. God loves you. He loves you despite of your brokenness. One thing my mentor said, my big brother said, God loves you so much where you are that he doesn't want to keep you where you are, meaning what? He wants to transform your life. And he wanted to transform this lame beggar's life because he plans not to harm us, but to prosper us. And as he got, as he helped him up, this man was healed. The process of getting up out of something you spent most of your life fighting with is the hardest thing you could do. That's why he helped him up. To show that you're not in this alone. I don't, I don't know when you say this, but you're not in this alone. And you're stepping and you're trying to be lifted up out of something that you're fighting with so long, but you're not in this alone. The process of getting out of the addiction to pornography for me was one of the hardest things to be lifted up until I realized that I'm not in this alone. Jesus has placed around me a community in which I could share in my griefs and my failures in which they could remind me that I am loved. This is not the plan God has asked for me. But he has a greater purpose over my life. You're not in this alone. The Bible says he was instantly healed and strengthened. Healed and strengthened. That means they weren't only dysfunctional. That means his ankles weren't only dysfunctional, but weak. And this is how a lot of us see ourselves in our situations. Weak. Once again, you're not in this alone. But as I was closing out, the Spirit gave me a home. You see, I want you to look past the miracle because a lot of us just want God for the miracles. This story is not about the miracles, it's about the master. So don't go seeking miracles, but seek the master. The miracles will come, but... When you seek the master, you realize that it's not even about miracles. It's about just encountering the master, Jesus Christ himself. So look past the miracle and realize there's no miracle without the master. And don't go seeking miracles from the master, but seek the master who did the ultimate miracle by laying down his life for you. It's about the master. 
And his name is Jesus. So when you seek God for the miracles, you're not seeking God. You're seeking prosperity. God is saying, I don't just want you to encounter me for a prosperous life. I want you to encounter me for a peaceful life. So when it looks like nothing is being prosperous in your life, you can still be at peace because your joy and your peace is not dependent on what you have, but who you have. A whole new perspective of this man. Remember how we talked about how the man chose to be carried to the temple every day. Maybe his willingness to do his same routine every day led to his healing. Maybe God is saying, keep praying. Keep singing. For every day he went to the temple, maybe because he knew that was the only potential place he could get healed. Maybe because the presence of God is the only place you could get healed. God is saying, stick with me, stick with me. See, because this man kept begging and kept going to the temple until he came across the ones he needed to come across. And maybe he did go waiting for a move of God. And it would make sense because the Bible said he was strengthened. The Bible said his ankles, the things that were broken, were strengthened. My Bible also says in Isaiah 40, verse 31, that those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength and they shall mount with wings as eagles and they shall run and not grow weary, run and not faint. See, because maybe people saw a lame beggar, but God saw a lovely begotten. Maybe every day outside the temple, he got the message of God's promises more than anyone on the inside of the temple. And that motivated him on the daily to say, you know what, let me keep going back. See, maybe when he looked down to pray, he didn't want to look up because he feared negligence. I know that knew that looking down and praying was the only way he could see God completely. So what if in the silent season he looked down praying and the act of him looking up revealed his prayer answered? Because what if we got to look up to see and know and experience our answer to the prayer that we cried out so long ago? I don't know when you say this, but look up. Look up. For too, down, for too long, you've been looking down in fear and despair and disbelief. And God is saying, look up. For I've answered your prayers. And you could just imagine this man looking down and praying because you know that feeling when you've been rejected and neglected. And nothing is going well, and you're praying, and your and your sixth sense is like, man, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of even praying? It's been so long. God is saying, keep praying. See, what if this man expected Jesus in the physical? Remember, the Bible says Jesus had just ascended, but encountered Jesus in the spiritual, in the form of Peter and John. Because you see, Jesus is not going to show up how we want. As for the money, 
Maybe that same money he begged for daily was to pay the people who carried him back and forth to the temple. What if he stood there waiting on his master, but not money? What if the word was God and is God and pierces through your body and soul and knows the intents of your heart? And while everyone saw a beggar, God saw a persistent servant who thought the closest I could get to his presence, maybe, just maybe one day I could be healed. See, what if the money he begged for was to supply the means of transportation so he can meet the master at the temple who supplies the means of transformation? Maybe he was getting the message of God on the outside of the temple. The promises of God from the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah, from who the priests love reading, when he says, though you go through rivers of difficulties, I will not make you drown. For I am your God, your mighty Savior, and I am with you. Maybe he heard the promises of the great man, Zephaniah, who God spoke through to say, listen, I am with you. I delight in you with gladness. My love calms your fears and I sing over you. I rejoice over you with joyful songs. Maybe you heard the words of Joshua. When God spoke through him to tell his people to be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God, Yahweh, is with you. He will never leave you. Maybe he heard the words of Isaiah again. For I am your God, do not be discouraged. For I am with you, do not be afraid. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Maybe he, were, he, he heard the words of, ex, of the book of Exodus. Where God was calling out to Moses and says, I am Yahweh, I am Lord your God. Full of compassion, slow to anger. Filled with love. Maybe he heard the words of Psalms. When God spoke through David and David wrote in his, in his rap album, be patient in the presence of the Lord. Maybe just maybe. Maybe just maybe. Look at this man's joy after being healed. The Bible says he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Look at his, at his joy after he was healed. You only get that joy after praying for something so long and it being done. went into the temple with them, the Bible says. Jumping, leaping, praising God. You see, the same thing he was outside of was the same thing he walked inside to. And he didn't go in alone. Get ready to go inside the same thing that you were kept outside of.
went in jumping up and down, the Bible says. See, the same way he went into the temple, God is saying, that's how I want you to be in my presence daily because you are my temple. You see, because the beggar who was once disgusted on the outside is now distinguished on the inside. That's why the Bible says that when they realized, when they realized, it was the same lame beggar man who they passed by all the time, the same people who passed by you, they're going to be the same one coming after you. Because when they realize, the Bible says, that means that they didn't notice at first because they're not going to notice you at first because seeing you happy is rare. But once rare appears as real, the atmosphere has to change. Here's where the hope lies. Here's where the truth of coming out of your silent season lies. Here's what depends on if you're going to go into a next silent season or not. The Bible says in verse 11 that they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And God is saying to me, and he's saying to you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. After the breakthrough, don't be so quick to run off. Don't be so quick to run off, but hold on to me. Hold on to my move. Don't start acting how you were before the silent season. But hold on. Why do we hold on so tightly? Why should we hold on so tightly? To show us that it's not only about being healed by the move of God, but the significance of being able to hold on to the move of God. Know that the same God that brought you through your silent season And now you're in a season of great, great revival. It's the same God in control of your revival season. Don't forget your silent seasons. He had no one to hold on tightly in the silent season. Now he has the move of God to hold on tightly in his revival season. I don't know who this is for, but you're stepping into revival and God is saying, hold on. Hold on to me. I showed you in your silent season that you can't do it alone. So why are you trying to do it alone again? Hold on. Don't run. But now that I've given you access to the same place you're blocked from, run to it. We were blocked from the tree of life, people. We were blocked from connection with God. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We are disconnected from God because unholy beings can never connect back with the holy God unless a holy being who took upon our very shame, anxiousness, sins and faults 
never failed within them. Died on the cross, killing that shame and guilt, killing the enemy who tries to hit us with that shame and guilt on the daily basis, raising again to show that he has overcome death, he has overcome shame, and he has overcome guilt, is now living within us and now has given us access to the tree of life. The tree of life was what? The life that we were blocked off from because the mistake of Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve made a mistake, but Jesus showed that his mercy will always overrule our mistakes. Now we have access to this tree of life. Now we have access back to Father God. Now we have access back to purpose. Now we have access back to peace. Now we have access back to joy. Now we have access, and God is saying, I've given you access through my son, Jesus Christ, who died for you. So don't run from me, but run to me. Right now you're in a silent season. The silent season isn't where you tell yourselves you're shameful, isolated, left behind, empty, neglected, and trampled. It's where you tell yourself you're saved. Identified, loved, excellent, nurtured, and treasured. You're saved from the destruction that we're meant to take place in. You're saved from the hands of this world, of the enemy, of Satan, the evil one. You're identified as a precious prize through Jesus Christ. You're loved so much that God could give his only prized possession, his only begotten son, to die for you. And if you could just believe. You're so excellent. The Bible says that nothing could separate you from the love of God. You're so nurtured that God has pruned you into what he wants you to be. That God has created you anew in Christ Jesus so you could do the things that he has planned for you long ago. And you're so treasured that a man who was filled with jewels and royalty in heaven could come down and trade places with you, take upon your sin and your shame, leave his comfort zone, to be uncomfortable for you so you could be comfortable in him. All he's saying is seek me. Let me in. Seek something new. You're saying, Josh, how do I let him in? How do I give him this, 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 this access to my heart? How do I start this new beginning? To be honest with you, it's so easy. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9 that those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and rose from the dead through the power of God is saved. And what does it mean to be saved? It's called salvation. What does that mean? It means that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, meaning what? We're destined for eternal doom. 
eternal shame, eternal guilt, eternal anxiety, eternal hell when he comes back again. But now you have access to heaven, his kingdom. So you could be in this world, but know that you're not of this world because what's in this world cannot satisfy you as much as the man that is not of this world who is Jesus Christ. It's to know that you could have peace here on earth and you could go through the same problems that anyone else goes through. Because, but because your faith is in the Lord, you know that everything is going to be all right. That's what it means to let him in. It means to let him in. It's to mean to say, Lord, giving up my old life, giving up my old desires. Come and make a home within me and transform it. Come and make a home within me and transform me. And as one of the girls at my youth group Bible study reminded me yesterday, it's a process. Don't expect it to be transformed right away. Don't expect it to see changes right away. But the simple fact that you let him in, knowing that the biggest change has already been done in your life. Repeat after me. If you're ready to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God's power rose from the dead and accept him as Lord and Savior. It's as simple as saying this. Lord, I am a sinner. But because of your grace, because of your love, because of your death on the cross for me, I am made whole. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for my sin and by God's power rose again. And that same power lives within me. Right now, I am new, I am whole, I am resurrected through Jesus Christ. Make a home within me. Amen. Man, that's it. You just locked up citizenship to the kingdom of heaven. And how do you show that you're a believer? You live with love. Live with love. And when people ask you, you give glory unto one man, and that's Christ Jesus. I love you all. God bless you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in everything that you do and everything that you inspire to do. May he go before it, around it, and within it and speak to your hearts. Be blessed, be well, be safe. Be uplifted during these trying times. And know that we're in this together. Halahacha. Hasta luego for my Spanish peeps. Bye for my English peeps. Aliata for my Jamaican ones.